The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So it's nice to see everyone this morning. Quite a large group for Wednesday morning. What I'd like for us to do in the next few minutes is to think about, remember, uh, Aya Santusika, Aya Santachita, Tanisra from, from South Africa, and all of those that are right now on the train going from San Francisco to New York City to take part on Saturday in the People's Climate March. Bhikkhu Bodhi will be there and many others. It's, uh, how many of you know about it, have heard of it? A few, okay, good, good. It's um, planned to be the largest uh, rally or demonstration ever in support of in support of what we can do for climate change. Uh, and it is planned this weekend because there is a meeting of world leaders at the UN on just this very issue. It has come to a point where it's, it's probably necessary for the continuation of life as we know it that human beings acknowledge and take some action <laughs> to help uh, reduce particularly carbon emissions but do what we can to change the course of things. I was recently up at Yosemite and um, stayed at Tuolumne Meadows Lodge where meals are served family style and so we always have wonderful discussions and um, one person was talking at one point and said that he had I believe it was the reporter for the New York Times had talked to an expert and I don't remember the name but he asked him are we beyond the point of no return and the expert's answer was and this really struck me nobody knows Nobody knows. We may be, we may not be. Um, to me, that was more powerful than hearing, yeah, we are. <laughs> but the reality that nobody knows. And so, it's so important as humans, as practitioners, um, that we all are as aware as we possibly can be. So tomorrow I am going to be part of an interfaith panel at Notre Dame in Belmont. And the topic is um, the environment. Contemporary issues, specifically the environment. So what that means is this panel of five of us, um, Jewish, Christian, Islamic, Hindu, and Buddhist, 
we'll all be discussing what our tradition has to say about care of the environment. So I was reviewing my notes, of course, and thinking, what would I be saying tomorrow? What are the Buddhist teachings that are relevant to this issue? And as with all traditions, there are many. The first that comes to my mind is the teaching of non-harming. That above all else, we do no harm. I think that actually comes from the Hippocratic Oath, but uh, both suggest that, that we not harm ourselves or others or the environment. And so that in itself is a huge teaching. We can look at, on a daily basis, what are we doing that may be causing harm? And probably there's any number of things, just the fact of living, just and living where we are, um, driving my car, you know, from San Jose up here, is um, not the best thing for the planet. Uh, what, what other things might we be doing unknowingly that are causing harm? And what can we do to help reduce that harm? Another teaching that I think is so central is the understanding that we are not separate. That we are part of life, part of nature, part of, I like to say, the whole ecosystem. We live in a culture that teaches us very strongly that we are separate and that it's it's me and you and us and the environment or us and nature. And through our Buddhist understanding, we know that this is not true. It is not us and them or us and it or whatever. We are part of nature. We are part of the environment. We together (laughs) make up this life. And as such then, if we do harm to another or to the earth in any way, we are also doing harm to ourselves. You probably know the name Joanna Macy. Joanna is an elder, a senior Buddhist teacher who has um, worked tirelessly for years and years and years on any number of social issues. Uh, When I first knew her, it was the nuclear issue. And um, she wrote a book, World as Lover, World as Self. And you can tell by the title, the inference that We are the world. (laughs) The world is us. And what we do to the world affects us. This is so clear. We don't get away with, with doing something and having it not affect us. 
we can also, I, I just last night read an article that Joanna wrote titled The Greening of the Self. And what she suggests, uh, the, the title or the idea greening of the self didn't come from her, it came from a Norwegian man, uh, Nas, N-A-E-S-S. Anyway, she suggests that we consciously expand our identification, our identity of ourself, wider and wider and wider, so that we include all of life. Not, we so often are concerned with this body, this ego, this life, and then we can get put in opposition to another life or life in general. But that she suggests that we keep making ourselves aware and expanding the, um, the way we see ourselves, not as so separate, but as an integral part of all of life as an integral part of the ecosystem. And you know, we're finding, science is finding more and more and more that um, all species (laughs) have a place in the ecosystem. You know, we kill off one species and then we find out, oops, you know, they were really essential to da-da-da-da. And it just becomes more and more apparent that 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 life is not random <laughs> that every piece of life has a function has a place in all of life part of the buddhist teachings are to see humans in perspective to the rest of life somebody pointed out to me one time that in, often in Western paintings, humans are huge. They loom large. In Asian paintings, Zen paintings, humans are much smaller. <laughs> You're nodding, you've seen. Yeah, much more in perspective with all of life. I just read last night also an article by Bhikkhu Bodhi, Um, suggesting that the issue of climate change is a symptom. It's a symptom of a much larger uh, issue that I won't say as eloquently as he, I will paraphrase, but basically that many of our systems, many of our Uh, much of our way of life is not supporting life but is actually destroying. In fact, the article was titled um, From a Death Culture to a Culture of Life. From a Culture of Death to a Culture of Life. And so seeing in the broader perspective how many of our practices 
um, do not support life. The way I've been saying it recently (laughs) is that we have to find a way to put, I say humans, but I could say life first, rather than money or profit or whatever other word you, you want to use. So many things are talked about and are considered effective or helpful if they lead to growth and profit and etc. And it's not sustainable. We live in a finite world. And we have to, if we're going to survive, we have to find a way to live sustainably, to honor and support all of life on this earth. And because we're so interconnected and so interdependent, um, we either sink or swim. We either all will survive or we will perish. And there is some concern expressed by many people that, um, that we're on a course to not survive that we need to wake up. We need to see our greed, hatred, and delusion, which can lead us to unsustainable action. So I hope that we will all be aware um, of the rally the demonstration in New York on Saturday and be there in support uh, you know emotional and mental support there is also going to be a similar rally in Oakland on Sunday from 2 to 5 I don't know the particulars but um, that will be happening here on the west coast But for all of us to remember that karma, maybe, that our actions do matter. One teacher says, karma means you don't get away with nothing. (laughs) And so to remember that in all of our actions, that maybe to just be more aware, what effect, what consequence might this action have. And let me be aware so that if it's going to lead to harming, perhaps I can change it. Perhaps I can do something different or just not do it. So, thank you all. Well.